those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. Welcome, everybody. This is uh, Room Tone, the radio show. And uh, let's just head dive right into it. This is the show for film, talking about filmmaking, making movies. I want everybody to raise your hands directly from Story Hive. This is Megan Lau. How are you doing, Megan? Good morning. I'm doing so good. How are you? We're good. We're here. Uh, springtime is here. And, uh, you know, I feel like energy really changes when springtime comes to Vancouver and we just get to experience a little bit more of the sun. So let me ask you right away. Let's just get to it. Who are you? Well, I am the manager of communications, engagement and equity at StoryHive, which we'll talk about a lot today. Um, I'm also a Chinese Canadian. I'm a writer editor. I'm an arts administrator and uh, I'm a cyclist, which you saw this morning. It's really nice to be back on my bike and I love dogs. Amazing. There you go. Now, <laughs> what's the story of Megan? What's the story of Megan? Well, I was born in Toronto. Uh, in the 80s, I won't say exactly when. Uh, and then my family moved out to Vancouver in 1989. And so I, this is the only place I've really ever known as home. And I've always just been a person who's been really interested in stories and had a curiosity about making them. But then later on as an adult really discovered that I really wanted to consume them and I wanted to be a part of making them, but I didn't necessarily want to be the author. There you go. That's an interesting uh, look into filmmaking because mm -hmm. usually all filmmaker and every filmmaker is like, oh, yeah, I want to tell stories, you know, mm -hmm. and like I really want to behind, be behind the camera. Yeah. But then all of that wouldn't happen if there weren't people like you and, and many others like you who really managed to put the assets and the resources together for these filmmakers to tell their stories. And so right now, um, how do you do that? How do I... How do you supply? How do you give the chance for filmmakers to, to tell their stories? I'm talking about Story Hive over here. Sure. <laughs> well, if you haven't heard of Story Hive, uh, it's a program that funds independent and emerging filmmakers in BC and Alberta. And we offer production grants from anywhere from 10000 up until 50000 And we also offer training and mentorship for those filmmakers that are funded through our program. Um, and we also grant organizations across BC and Alberta to be able to provide provide filmmaking training in their communities as well. So if you're a first-time filmmaker or you're mid-career, we hopefully offer something for you. Amazing. There is uh, definitely a lot. We're going to put the link uh, of the website in the description of the awesome. podcast. And uh, we'll just give everybody the chance to head dive into what StoryHive has to offer. And it's a lot, definitely. Head dive in there, filmmaker. Now, let's talk a little bit more about Megan and who mm -hmm. Megan is and where Megan is coming from and also where Megan is going. Where do you see yourself in five years? I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm actually a person who lives a lot day by day, which is not what my friends would really probably imagine me saying because I'm a person who likes to plan a lot, likes to be organized. I'm a little bit neurotic, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my plan of five years, I mean, maybe I hope to be 
working for myself. But I think that in this job uh, that I have at StoryHive right now, it's my first job in filmmaking and I've really discovered a real love for this community and uh, what film does. And you know, even though I've always loved watching films in my life, like being more involved, it really feels like the right fit. And um, I found a niche and a place for me in building um, an ethos of social justice and, and love and, uh, and uh, building out systems that support diversity and inclusion in the industry. And I think that's where I really want to um, deepen my work. Interesting. There seems to be a lot on the table here, especially because Vancouver is so bold and dynamic, right? And so I want to ask mm -hmm. you, why Vancouver for you right now? Well, I think... Well, the really simple answer is because my family is here and I have just deep, deep, deep roots here. Like I, I'm lucky enough to say that people I was, I was friends with when I was 13 years old are still my friends. And so that means a lot to me to have a community. And I think the scale of the city really supports that. And it's a place where relationships really matter. And I think in that way, it rewards people who are kind and really care for relationships and, you know, treat them with a lot of respect. Amazing. Feels like yeah. Vancouver is definitely the place you're talking about because mm -hmm. the community here is so intimate and so supportive, right? And that's why people fall in love with, the, with Vancouver, you know? If you want to make movies, this is definitely the place. Mm -hmm. And it's because of this wonderful community. Now, mm -hmm. if you had one message to the community, what would it be? To the filmmaking community? Yes. Oh. I think we have to tell different stories. <laughs> what do you mean with different? Well, I think that certain stories have been centered for so long. You know, um, particularly in the context of BC, when this is like unceded territory to settler narratives have been centered for so long. So it's it's um, it's high time for it to uh, support the indigenous filmmakers and narrative and cultural sovereignty, for one. Um, I'm a Chinese Canadian, as I mentioned. I rarely ever see Asian people on screen. I would love to see more than that. Um, and I think you could say this about virtually every community except for uh, white folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that yeah. because this is definitely a very important topic and yeah. we have to talk about this, you know, up front you know there is no way we can just circumnavigate the conversation mm -hmm. and uh, that's that's perfect you know because today this is one of the reasons why i really wanted to sort of connect and create a conversation mm -hmm. around this you know right now it's springtime the sun is out there you know mm -hmm. storytelling time is approaching more chance to go out there and shoot and so you know talking with the community and looking into how the community can really empower and encourage other storytellers you know to tell their stories that's very interesting and i think this is a uh, a conversation for everybody and so I want to I want to ask you you know um, looking at also what you have done you know and and how you have come together creating community what is the best way that filmmakers can make sure that that empowerment happens properly oh that's such a good question um, how does that it's not an easy well, question it's not an easy but I know question, you can answer and, that and we could probably talk about it all day. I'm a big believer that um, self-awareness is, is probably one of the first and most critical steps that you have to take. So to understand your own positionality, to understand your own power, like in, until you can really confront the kind of privilege that you have and the like the seriousness of, of the power that you do have, um, it's, it's, it's really, really difficult to, to give away that power then, right? Like if you don't seriously believe that you have privilege as a man, for example, then how, uh, 
I don't know how you can talk about power with other people and how we can share it better. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, interesting. Okay, I like where this is going. It's uh, it's uh, it's important to have these conversations. And I kind of want to ask you also, how can people become more self-aware? How can we look at those mirrors that tell us the type of perception that we have upon the world? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I think maybe like the internet can be used for good and evil. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really, really important that you don't ask the folks that are already marginalized to continue to educate you, you know, to even uh, if you're not interested in necessarily capitalizing on their stories, but you're, you're really earnest and you have good intentions to learn, you better have a good relationship with that person to be able to ask them to teach them more about their culture and their understanding and their experience. But the truth is so many people have written so much online or made films about their experience and that might be a really good place to start before you know you exhaust someone's energy and dig up their own trauma and their pain absolutely yeah, yeah this is and this is a great point because you really notice this when even when when talking and and, and shooting with people who have had mm-hmm. lives with colors that are very different from yours mm-hmm. right and looking into how going and reliving those stories brings those colors back up yeah. And it's so important to respect that and appreciate that. And really, as, as, as you said, you know, it, it goes back to empowering properly and empowering the best way mm-hmm. that is not only the best per- way for the community, but also for the people who are telling the story. Yeah. You know, yeah. And so this is, a, again, super interesting topic. And uh, I kind of want to head dive right in there and yeah. just uh, get to learn more because documentary filmmakers have this thirst, right, to yeah. tell the story. And so how can you balance the thirst and, and the willingness to tell their story, you know, with the timing, right? Because timing is so important, right? For storytelling and making sure that everything is in the right place at the right time. So you're talking a bit about the urgency when you're kind of seeing a story unfold and you're thinking like, we need to capture this right now. Exactly. You know, sometimes the stories are just out there and they they're, can't wait to be told, right? But we yeah. have to understand the timing that, that there is also on the political uh, level of uh, and on, on the political layer of the community, right? Well, I think one thing to, would be one thing that's important to understand uh, about where I'm coming from is I'm not a filmmaker. I've never made a film in my life, mm-hmm. so I can't. <laughs> I don't think I really know in my body what that feels like. And when you really are like, you you can see the potential of the, that product, and um, you're seeing a moment that might just pass. But so then I'm I'm speaking from completely in abstract place and I think it's important to say hey these are people first and I think maybe that that should be paramount that should come before anything that respect for sure you know and it's so hard really to to you know respect the vulnerability all the way through Mm because it's so easy for filmmakers to just step in and and bring the camera out and take it out and just you know film Uh, but creating that space of intimacy is really where I think documentary filmmaking lives you know it's in creating that space where the story really unfolds and the camera is a medium right Mm -hmm. it's almost like we have to as filmmakers turn the heat of the camera into the warmth of a hug and really get to empower and and, and give the chance for people to tell their story in a comfortable place I really really like that I think it's it's really astounding how much money is involved in film and in this industry and that mm-hmm. can really convolute our ideas of reality and it can make us feel like we're doing some things that are really really important at the end of the day and i think that's where that power and maybe that toxic energy comes in mm. but at the end of the day like 
I think filmmakers like you are doing it because they want to change the community. It's more than just art for art's sake, right? It's art to send a message and to tell an important story, to change a narrative. And that ultimately boils down to we're doing it because we care about people and we care about the world, right? Yeah, you see, Megan, it's, uh, it's almost like every filmmaker has this, this fire, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, getting the chance to witness all these stories and not having them told is pain, you mm. know? It's pain. And so looking at what you guys are doing at StoryHive again, it's so amazing that, that you, you guys give the opportunity, right? And the chance for people to, to tell their stories and really be careful and just look into how those, those stories are being told. No. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because so one example of where we're becoming more conscious of this is with our Indigenous Storyteller Edition. In those projects, there was 40 projects that were funded um, in, in January. And no, excuse me, it was 30 projects that were funded, all Indigenous-led projects. And um, the... Part of the reason why the grant amount is 20,000 instead of 10 is because we were listening to a lot of indigenous producers say that they had costs for, let's say, spiritual advisors to do ceremony. And those are really important parts of their production. Not, not just important, but essential. You know, they couldn't do their stories in a good way without being able to involve their elders, for example. Um, and so that's something that we said you know, is absolute, it's absolutely a valid cost and funders should recognize that. This is uh, one of the most beautiful, you know, aspects of, of StoryHive and how StoryHive really approaches storytelling and gives the chance to storytellers to tell their stories because how can we tell stories without that aspect of respect, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, again, this is a huge conversation and, uh, you know, one more question that I want to ask you in relation to how filmmakers can connect with StoryHive, you know? What is uh, StoryHive looking for? How is StoryHive putting down the fundamentals to tell those stories? Well, we're looking for something different, obviously, in every edition on the level of genre and format. So sometimes we're looking for music videos. Currently, we're looking for documentaries. Uh, we have, we also fund, you know, immersive films. Uh, but we're looking for, well, we always say that we're funding filmmakers, not films. So we really want to know about you mm -hmm. and what is it that makes you different and why you, why now? And I think that's, that's the best piece of advice I can give to folks putting together a pitch. What a beautiful uh, combination of words right there. So filmmakers out there. By the way, what's, what are the dates for the, for the next edition that's coming up? So the next edition, actually, uh, it opens on April 9th. So you still have time to just think and kind of stew on what you want to put together. <laughs> and then applications will be due on May 7th. Uh, we're looking for documentary films that are 20 to 60 minutes long and the production grants are $50,000 and uh, we're looking for films that are locally reflective so it has to be related and connected to the place that you live. Interesting and that's all of it uh, for you guys out there filmmakers just wrap your thoughts put it all together and uh, you know create your team already right now because mm -hmm. StoryHive is uh, releasing and you got to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Just go out there and uh, find your own space in the community. Now, this being said, you have this spirit, you know, coming together to create community. And I want to kind of go back to when you were founding SAT. So can you tell us a little bit about, about that adventure and, and how that all came together? 
Sure. Uh, when I was in university, I was studying at SFU. Uh, I was looking to find a way into magazines. Magazines was just a, a medium that really excited me. I read everything that I could when I was a teenager and I just had these dreams of moving to New York and becoming an editor there because those stories really shaped me and taught me all about the world. Um, and so I had a someone who I met in university who was starting a magazine with a friend and she said it was called Zad and um, it was kind of a joke on no, Vancouver being a no fun city and uh, now it stands for stories, art and design. You can find us at sadmag.ca. <laughs> nice, there you go. <laughs> and it's, it's just evolved over, we're actually celebrating our 10th year this year. It's a completely volunteer-run organization that works with incredible illustrators, photographers, some of the best writers in the cities to tell stories that are really rooted in um, Vancouver or featuring people that come out of this place. Um, but when we started, we were a very much queer-focused magazine, actually, just because of the folks that were involved. Um, so drag shows really funded every issue of the magazine. And as we were talking about before uh, we had started the show, really, we started it because we wanted to create a space to tell the stories that we didn't see out there. We didn't think that the Georgia Strait, for example, was a place where our writing would really have a home. Mm. So we made it. There you go. Yeah. So create your opportunity. That yes, goes really exactly. back to creating your opportunity. And how do you think we can translate that concept to the new storytellers and filmmakers out there in 2019? It's a pretty exciting time because the truth is, if you have internet, you have every tool that most like studio filmmakers have. So um, you just have to go out there and create your stuff. I think um, another important piece, if you're going to go to level two, <laughs> is to understand your business fundamentals, though, because it's all good and great to build community. You get some good vibes, but I think it's really important to make that sustainable. Mm-hmm. And sort of create a system yeah. around the telling those stories and exactly. creating content. And, and it goes back to m creating a system, right? There is this beautiful saying that it's um, losers have goals, and winners have systems. Oh my gosh! And that's, I've never heard that's, that before. That's that's that's, uh, that's like when I heard it, it's like, oh, okay. That is really that, good. That opened up a whole new, yeah, different level right there. Next level right there. What's your take on that? You just heard it right now. What's your take on that? I think that's pretty brilliant. I don't like the idea of calling anyone a loser, but but the the general idea behind it absolutely valid. <laughs> there you go. Man, systems, uh, you know, and, and, and goals, and, and it all comes together into yeah. this huge pot of yeah. life, you know, <laughs> and you have to all figure it out. And, you know, what's, um, you know, what's your, what's your, how would you say thanks to life? You know, looking at where you come from and like where you are right now, mm -hmm. uh, what would you say to life if you could, if life was a person right here in front of you, what would you say? Is this my therapist's office? Why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> if it's okay for you to answer, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, would you, if you don't want to answer that, no problem. You know, it's just a question out there. Just if it comes out, it comes out. Yeah. I, when I first heard you say the question, I, I thought you were asking if it was, you were asking what I was grateful for. And I think that's how I look at life. I'm filled with gratitude about the kind of things that I've been offered. I think I've had a very privileged life, to be honest. 
you know, to be have to have been born in Canada, to um, grow up here in Vancouver and like experience nature and have a really safe place to live and have access to incredible, um, you know, public education and to meet some really amazing people, you know, and my life has really been filled with love. That's so, that's you know. amazing, you know. It's uh, <laughs> and I feel like it all goes down to to love, right? Yeah. Um, having you know having the chance to experience that and you know being taught that as well, you know, yeah. uh, it's probably one of the biggest gifts, right? Yeah. And the great thing is that there you go. It goes down to to love when it comes down to storytelling. You know, every story, you know, it's fueled by love. You know, and you know it better than me. You look at all these filmmakers through Story Hive, mm-hmm. telling the stories. You know, and without that passion, you know nothing n- none of that could ever happen right yeah i think people often ask us what makes a good pitch mm. and i think you nailed something there you know like if you don't really care about it but you have got all the technical skills it's not going to be a good pitch you really have to somehow the viewer needs to feel your love for the story absolutely that's perfect yeah there you go that then that lands on on pitches as well yeah. so pitching there you go filmmakers uh, eyes open ears open and you know make it happen now Let's get into the future is you and me. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, uh, around in 2006, my friend Kristen Chung was traveling across the country and uh, participating in juries. So juries that for grants and deciding, you know, whether or not who was going to get the money. And she saw not only in the way that the the submissions and the applications were adjudicated felt pro- problematic, but that there weren't enough women and people of color that were applying either. And on top of that, the organizations that were applying were all pretty much white male led. And she said, she said that this is not right, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that it was not reflective of the place that we live, like the country that we live in and that art should really be a reflection of the people that we are. So she came back and she, right before she got on the plane in Toronto, she wrote a blog post and said, you know, all of what I just told you and said, we should make a change, you know, who is with me? Because women, you and me, the future is you and me. And I read that while she was flying from Toronto to Vancouver and it, so inspired me like this incredible call to action i messaged her right away and said like i want to do something with you so that became the future is you and me which is a free community-based leadership and mentorship program for young women of color who are 19 to 25. we've offered three iterations of this program that are a series of five workshops where a cohort of women anywhere from eight to 12 of them are able to build a community and connect with a network of uh, women of color who are already working in the arts here in Vancouver. So awesome. That's mm-hmm. uh, another, that's a great story right there. We're going to put the link of that in the description of the podcast as well and just give a chance to people to check that out for sure. Now, it seems really like there is this concept of community that revolves around everything that you do somehow, you know? And uh, and then you look at uh, you look at how you know you look at Vancouver and how all of these activities have pulled Vancouver together. So where do you think is it is it the activities that bring people together or is the community that is giving birth to to programs and 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 you know events where people are coming together? It's a bit of a chicken or the egg question, right? <laughs> I think in my case. Um, 
It's absolutely been both all the time. Um, I've kind of had two lives here in Vancouver, the one before I moved to Montreal and the one after. So before, I think I really had a community, you know, when you're a child and you're younger, like everything is really programmed for you and you always have to hang out with the same kind of people. Mm. <laughs> you don't, in a way, you don't even get to really choose who your <laughs> friends are because you, you just have to way. spend time, <laughs> in a, you know, in a classroom, for example. And then um, when I came back, you know, I had this big life experience because I lived in this other city. Um, I was really interested in the kind of community that I could build on my own, you know, that was guided by my values and the people that I wanted to be with. And, you know, all the things that we'll talk about today really came out of that time of kind of discovering who I am and the people who really give me life and give me energy. And those people have generally been people who wanted to start projects, who worked in the arts and wanted to be creative. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Yes, yeah, it, may, it makes sense. I mean, it's good to, to explore and see how, you know, thoughts connect, you know. Mm-hmm. It feels like we are what we've lived and what we've experienced. And then we project it onto the future in some way or the other, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, our, there was a beautiful saying by, by Plato. He said, our eyes are not only, do not only perceive, but they also project light, hmm. right? And so that's that's a beautiful way to say how we get the chance to build our own world, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Now, let me take you a, a little bit closer to what you do outside of the film uh, mm-hmm. world here in Vancouver. You know, you're a cyclist. You, you mentioned and you mentioned you are uh, training for a half marathon. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? What is it that fascinates you about the half marathon? You know, just going going for it and 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 making it happen that way. Uh, it's something that I bullied myself into doing about three years ago. <laughs> and you know what it was, was that someone had asked me to run in the Scotiabank Marathon, which is the one, or the half marathon, which is the one where a lot of um, nonprofit organizations will raise money, like someone will raise money for the, like, um, for the downtown Eastside Women's Center or something like that. You'll run for that. So then I was like, great, I will support your organization, absolutely. And then I signed up for the wrong one. I signed up for BMO instead. <laughs> <laughs> a, there you go. <laughs> and then, you know, I realized my mistake and then I had to sign up for the Scotiabank one. So I ran two in one year. And in that time, I just learned how meditative running could be. And I never have like the latest tech. So, um, and, and like good uh, running gear or anything like that. So I never wanted to take out my phone with me because it would like weigh me down. So I just learned to just run and hear my own thoughts. And that's what I really love about that time. I don't, I'm not an athletic person. I really actually don't even like sweating. I like lying down <laughs> is the mode that I really like to be in. <laughs> <laughs> but if I have to be active and it's good for my mental health and everything, I think uh, running gives me a huge sense of, ac- of accomplishment. I don't need hand-eye coordination or anything like that, you know, and I get to <laughs> spend out time outside in our city. So you'll find me on the seawall really often. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's interesting to explore the balance, right, mm-hmm. between the, the film world and, and our own personal lives, mm-hmm. you know, as creators and content creators and storytellers. And so it's interesting to me to see how, for example, Story Hive is always so active. There is always something cooking. There is always something happening. Mm-hmm. And I asked myself, wow, do these people ever get to get a chance to just like, you know, step back? And it feels like, you know, Vancouver never sleeps. Vancouver never sleeps. And so what's your message to the filmmakers out there about 
looking for that balance, you know, and finding their own space between the film community and their own world. That's something that I'm still learning myself. I definitely don't want to give advice <laughs> about <laughs> how to have good work-life balance. That's I'm not the expert on that. Sorry, Rogero. Yeah, I mean, like, we just asked, right? And to me, it's so interesting to look at, um, at the way... Uh, the way everybody mm-hmm. has different, uh, you know, everybody has different lives and, and reacts differently to different questions and different topics. And to me, it's so fascinating to look at how this is coming along because you're coming here and you're sharing with us your knowledge and your experience and how all this matters for the film community right now. Again, 2019 is so fast. It's so bold. It's so dynamic. You don't even get the chance to mm-hmm. look at one thing that has already changed. You know, we are starving in information, you know, and like we're, we're in the middle of, of all these different numbers and we're looking for that substance, right? Sure. <laughs> feels like that substance uh, lives in those stories, right? And so it feels like we're in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Is there any other place you would live rather than Vancouver? Oh, it's a question that I think about a lot because obviously affordability in the city is a it's a huge concern and it means that the people that I really love and care about are thinking about leaving or are on their way out. Um, And I always say the reason that I stay here in Vancouver is because of the community. It's because the relationships that really matter to me are here. But once, you know, those are not rooted in Vancouver, then I don't. I think I would really explore going to somewhere else. Um, but I don't know where that is yet. Maybe it's going to come. It's going it's yeah. to reach out to you. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for us to, to take a little break over here. And uh, what we have today, Megan has chosen the soundtrack of Moonlight. And so I want to ask you, why do you choose the soundtrack of Moonlight? Well, I think you're going to play um, a song by Aretha Franklin. Exactly. Um, One step ahead. Yes. Uh, rest in peace to the Queen of Soul. She's one of my favorite, favorite artists of all time. Um, I really noticed the song when you have the scene be- between Chiron and Kevin meeting for the first time as adults. And um, it's this like really tender moment and so much is not said and the, the, the music sort of fills it in. But when Aretha passed, actually Barry Jenkins tweeted that this is the only song that actually plays twice in the movie. And you'll see it, you'll hear it if you watch the film again, you'll hear it um, when Chiron is just coming back from his swimming lesson from one and he's coming home. Um, so I think this song has a lot of meanings in the movie and I'm excited to listen to it again. Amazing. Aretha Flanklin, One Step Ahead. I'm only one step the head of heartbreak one step the head of misery one step is all I have to take backwards to be the same old fool for you I used to be I'm only one step ahead of your arms one kiss away from your sweet lips I know I can't afford to stop for one moment cause I'm just out of reach of your fingertips 
the soundtrack of uh, Moonlight, Aretha Franklin, One Step Ahead, chosen by Megan Lau here directly from StoryHive. And uh, let's continue our conversation about film filmmaking and telling stories that can empower communities in the most respectful and proper way. Now, it's time here at Room Tone, the radio show, now to go for the one-minute pitch. Are you ready to go for it? I'm going to hit that clock, and we're just going to pitch for one minute. You ready? I'm going to hit the clock. All right, let's do this. two, one. All right, so I'm going to actually pitch two things. We've talked about the documentary edition, which is coming up. Again, that's 30 grants of $50,000. You can apply on our website, storyhive.com. Um, starting April 9th and uh, if you get your make sure to get your applications in by May 7th but we also have another opportunity which is the TELUS Story Hive BAM Fellowship Program which encourages professional development um, in digital production by getting filmmakers in Alberta and BC uh, whether you're a producer a writer or director to attend the BAMF World Media Festival this summer so uh, successful if you're successful, you get a full conference re- registration, accommodations, and a travel stipend, and you get training to get you ready for those markets by the National Screen Institute. So we fund about 15 filmmakers, and I encourage you to apply now. And that's one minute precise, snipers, right there, amazing. <laughs> well, um, that was uh, Megalo pitching for, uh, we, we got to head dive a little bit more into that because there is a lot in there. Let's do that because that was really stressful. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. We're here. It's over. The one minute is over. But I really want to want to head dive into both of those uh, programs and those sure. activities because I think many filmmakers would benefit from hearing about mm-hmm. that. So for the if you've never applied for Story High before, that is perfect because I, I mean all of us, not just me, really encourage first-time filmmakers to come and apply to our program. I mean, um, the application process is, it's a pretty long one, I'll, I'll admit, but it's quite simple. Like you don't have to have any special skills. And then you put together a one minute pitch video. So you really get to tell your story and you can talk straight to camera. We funded tons tons of projects where someone's sitting in their bedroom, but you know, they have that passion. They show that love for their story. They show who they are. And, uh, 
It's also awesome if you're connected to your community, as we have talked about a lot today, because we're really looking for stories that we call locally reflective. And it's an amazing opportunity because we're giving folks a lot of flexibility this time, 20 to 60 minutes, you can do all sorts of things. Um, and this is the second time that we're running this program. I'm really excited to see what will come. Um, for the BAMF Fellowship Program, should we talk about Let's that a bit? Let's do it. Let's make it happen. BAMF is a really, uh, it's called the World Media Festival because really folks from all over the world come. And it's, you know, you have your big power players like your NBCs and your Netflix there as well. Um, and I think that training that I just mentioned at the very end of my pitch from the National Screen Institute was really amazing because it gets folks ready to really tackle their meetings there. So it's not just about this kind of loose and soft networking that you have, which is super valuable as well, but like that you can go and land your meeting with, with Netflix and show them you're really, really your best stuff. So we're looking especially for diverse filmmakers and uh, for documentarians um, this year when we're evaluating our fellowship applications. That's a hell of a story right there. So filmmakers, get out there, make it happen, get your words out. Thank you, mm -hmm. Megan, for that. Now mm -hmm. it's time to get into the, the Proust questionnaire. Mm -hmm. So Proust wrote down 35 questions. He thought that uh, they could uh, help us identify someone's true identity, but um, we're just going to pick five of those randomly and just have a little chat. Okay. Sounds good? Sounds good. All right. First question of the Proust questionnaire. What is your current state of mind? Oh... I'm really scattered this week. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I am feeling really energized because of the sunlight. It's really been great to get all those um, more daylight hours. I guess it's technically just like one extra daylight hour <laughs> right now. <laughs> but it makes such a big difference to my mood. But I feel like I just want to do so many things. There's never enough time in the day. Hey, time is a big concept right there, mm -hmm. you know? Time is a big concept. Anyways, that's another another whole conversation. Let's go to the second question of the Proust questionnaire. Which talent would you most like to have? Oh, I wish that I could pick up any choreography at all. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so you like dancing? Oh, I really like to dance. Like I like to just like shake it out. But uh, I have tried to take dance classes before and have been really traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Maybe you wanna, you're like me, you don't like to be told how to move. Oh, you're no, gonna... tell me how to do it, but I can't pick it up. <laughs> oh, I see, I see, I see. Well, it's, it's like, um, that's, that's an interesting talent to have, for sure. It's interesting that you went right there, right away, you know? That's, that's... Oh, I just tried so hard, but I can see someone do it in front of me, slowly. And I, I, my brain just doesn't understand. It doesn't compute. <laughs> Interesting. Right on. Third question of the Proust questionnaire. When and where were you happiest? Oh. Well, I think every year I'm, I'm happier. I know myself better. I'm more comfortable with myself. I'm just, you know, people told me on my 30th birthday that the 30s would be the best. And, uh... My first year in my 30s was pretty terrible. So I didn't believe them, but now I do. I think you <laughs> shake off all the insecurity of your 20s, and it's pretty wonderful. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And that takes us to the fourth question of the Proust questionnaire. What is your most marked characteristic? Oh, I laugh really loudly. <laughs> really? Oh, I didn't notice that with these mics. <laughs> I'm trying to keep a Me safe too. distance from the mic, but... Um, Me too, you know, it's, uh, it, it happens. Yeah. It's all good. 
you can probably tell that like you're a very trusted friend of mine if you if my loud 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 laugh comes out it's part of the game it's part mm. of the game good 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 now fifth question of the Proust questionnaire what is your idea of perfect happiness i always ask this all every mm. time i ask this to everybody so interesting what is your idea of perfect happiness oh happiness is such a interesting thing i was talking to a friend this weekend and uh she was saying how she was reflecting on if you suppress the sad feelings then you also suppress your happiness you don't know that you actually can't only feel the positive spectrum you know there's always a balance so i think when you have perfect happiness you actually are feeling like a complete range of emotions mm-hmm. that's <laughs> a it, really interesting concept right there i think it's something to think about a lot because i think it's really um easy in when we talk about like mindfulness and well-being we're really in a lot of ways taught to just push away the bad feelings to not look at them you know in the face because it's scary and it's super vulnerable but i think we really need to do that to in order to feel like you know ultimate happiness as well but if you just ask you know the easy answer to this is like i'm surrounded by my friends and a lot of dogs <laughs> <laughs> but that's a, that's a great concept that you that you, that you share before because you know it feels like it's a constant balance right mm-hmm. and if you only have warm colors how can you recognize and, and experience the beauty of the contrast of the colder colors right exactly and uh, it feels like it's always a balance between chaos and order, mm-hmm. you know? You're living in the middle of, of chaos and then order pops out of nowhere or you're in the middle of order and chaos comes out of nowhere, you know? Always. And that's what keeps the, 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 the sparkle of life, right? Mm-hmm. That's what keeps it alive, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to see, you know, life is so amazing, you know? I go out there, you know, and, and every day, especially in Vancouver, surprises, you know? Something happens, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and, and it's almost like a call. You know, it's a call to action, you know, it's a call to getting out there, experiencing life for what it is and taking it for what it is and not for you want for what you want it to be. Right. It feels like we're lucky to be here in Vancouver and, and experience such bold city. And there's a lot to do for this world. You know, <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. And right on. I kind of want to ask you, I want to add one more question, a sixth uh, extra bonus question Okay. Uh, with the Proust questionnaire. And that question is. Who are your heroes in real life? Michelle Obama. Oh, nice. High five for that answer. High five in the booth right there. Beyonce. Okay, that's another high five. Good, good. And Oprah, obviously. Amazing. I love it. That's a great answer. I think I've never had such good answer delivered in such a way before. That's awesome right there. Good stuff, <laughs> Megan. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, we're approaching the the end of our episode here today. I I want to ask you something. Mm-hmm. Um, if you and, and you know, I would love to ask if you could share some words of advice with filmmakers out there and how they can find their own system, as we talked before, uh, in this very dynamic and, and, and ever-changing community and, and industry. How can they do that? Okay. Well, I have to do a plug first. I have to do a plug Make first. Make it happen. Um, which is to follow us on social media. So follow <laughs> StoryHive on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, because 
We really want to provide resources to the community. It's not just about promoting the rounds of funding that we're doing. Like we really want to build a community online and connect you to other filmmakers. So two really big pieces of advice. Connect to the other filmmakers in, in your community, like whether they be online or in person and treat those people and like take care of each other. Um, and then the other thing in terms of building the systems, as you mentioned, is to not neglect those pieces about business affairs and building an audience online, like all those things, that is your power. So own it. You are an artist, yes, but you also have to be a business person. Mm-hmm. Interesting balance right yeah. there. Interesting balance. Let me ask you, if you could make one film, you know, I know you're not a filmmaker, but mm-hmm. you provide all these resources, right, to filmmakers. If you could make one film, what would it be about? It would be about my family. Oh. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really profound experience of going back to China last fall. And I say back to China, which is kind of funny because I've never been there before. You know, and my parents are from Hong Kong. And um, I discovered this really rich history on my mom's side. And I'm just very much curious to learn more. And I think it would be an amazing story. That's a wonderful, another wonderful thing that you shared with us today because, uh, you know, we can't forget about where we come from. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't forget about our culture and what, what makes us who we are now, you know. It, it feels like, uh, you know, the scope of life is so much bigger than oneself that it's our duty to really dig deep and look at where we come from because that's going to tell us where we go, right? I love and, that. And, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful river of stories and, and, and people that have created a family and, you know, have created the culture that inhabits you, you know? So that story right there, you know, going back to China, you know, and reliving all of that, what was the feeling that filled, your, that filled you when digging deeper into your own history? Definitely curiosity. So I don't actually speak Cantonese. So there was a lot of things that that's why it's um, an interesting topic to me, because I think there's just so much there left to to uncover for me personally. And then uh, gratitude comes back again. It just was so profound to reflect on how far my family has come in just one generation. Mm -hmm. That's uh, again, so much gratitude for our families, right? Mm -hmm. We're here and, you know, growing up, uh, growing up a new person you know from being a child you know to being here and being able to do what we love you know that's probably the biggest gift that that anybody could give you know mm-hmm. being parents and this is a shout out to all mothers and fathers out there who are listening right now you know know that you're doing a wonderful thing you know and life is 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 grateful you know you're so sweet yeah no, shout out to the moms and dads yeah definitely yeah. definitely definitely you know it's uh, it's 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 deep it's deep for sure uh, I definitely want to share my gratitude for my family. So there, there it goes. But uh, now we're really approaching the end. And this, this was the time for the shout outs right here. So if there are any shout outs for people around you, you know, people or, or, or you know, moments, any shout out, anything you want to share right now? Oh, shout out to the Story Hive team. Like if you haven't met these people, this is the best team I've ever worked with before. Shout out to you for hosting the show and keeping the community alive here. And um, 
hey, I don't know. I'm just so excited to meet those of you that I haven't met before. Like this is this role at StoryHive is an amazing opportunity for me to meet so many creatives and people who are passionate about storytelling across Western Canada, really around North America. It's been such a gift. So, hey, um, all of you people who are doing creative work, I really admire you and let's keep doing it. Yeah, we got to keep making it happen. So, well, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap this whole burrito up. And uh, this is the time to, you know, sort of say goodbye to all of you out there and catch up with you next Thursday at 11 a.m. You know, this was Room Tone, the radio show. I'm Rogerio, your host. And, uh, you know, Cop Radio 100.5, straight from the downtown east side, you know, straight with the... With uh, with with passion to talk about film and filmmaking, telling stories, making it happen. Megan, I thank you for coming and joining us here. Do you want to introduce the next the next piece? Hello, Stranger by Barbara Lewis from Moonlight. Oh, I didn't know that you were playing this one. I can't remember when it happens in the film, but this is actually my favorite song from the film. So enjoy and thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Everybody enjoy life and life will enjoy you. Ciao, ciao. Hello, stranger. It seems so good to see you back again. How long has it been? Seems like a mighty long time. Seems like a mighty long time